to make sure every stroke had purpose and anything that I put on it had a reason and that it spoke to somebody or it spoke to, you know, whoever was looking at it. One distinctive of the Assyrian podcast is that we're always aiming to find the hidden gems in our community that are doing amazing work behind the scenes. Today's guest is an architect who has designed some of the most awe-inspiring experiences ranging from the London House in Chicago all the way to our very own Assyrian podcast logo. Her name is Eva Toma, and she can convert any idea into a real-life, tangible experience. Back in 2017, I reached out to her about creating a logo for the Assyrian podcast. A few weeks later, she created one of the most eye-catching and impactful logos in our entire community. Eva is a rare mix of brains, heart, and grit. She leaves no I undotted and no T uncrossed as she brings to life stories that move us and drive us. This is Steve, and I'm so excited to bring this episode to you. It's been three years in the making. I know you're going to absolutely love getting to know Eva. Before we get into the interview, support for this week's episode of the Assyrian Podcast is brought to you by Tony Caligaracos and the Injury Lawyers of Illinois and New York. If you know anyone who's been in a serious accident, please reach out to Tony Caligaracos. Tony has been recognized as a top 40 lawyer and a rising star by Super Lawyers Publication and has obtained multiple multi-million dollar awards. Tony can be reached at InjuryRights.com or 847-982-9516. This episode is also sponsored by the Oshana Partners, a husband and wife real estate team. Are you considering purchasing or selling a home in Arizona or California? John and Rita are available to help make your next real estate decision into a seamless transaction. Contact the Oshanas at 209-968-9519. Get to know them a bit more by checking out their website, theoshanapartners.com. And now, here is Eva Toma. I know I met you when I was like sixth grade or something. Yeah, I think I met you when I think it was like fifth grade? Fifth, yeah. Sixth grade? Yeah. yeah. A whole other world ago, right? Uh, those were the days, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, we had it good. So we grew up, all grew up in Turlock, and I knew your brother. I was really close to him, and you're a few years younger than him. And then you all disappeared, and you moved to Chicago, right? That's correct. I think we moved when I was like 11. Yeah, so tell me a little bit, like, your parents, where they're from, your Assyrian background, and then how you guys ended up in Chicago. Let's just go through that real quick. So both of my parents are from Iraq. My dad grew up in a little village up north, and my mom grew up in the city in Baghdad. So they actually were arranged. My dad was sent to the city to live with his uncle, 
and I guess they were neighbors. So he had a few uncles. My dad got sent to one of his uncles because he was starting a new family and my grandpa wanted him to just go and study something. So he went to university there. He became an electric engineer. And then when he got older, basically met my mom through my other uncle. She was their neighbor and she was best friends with his niece. So they kind of got married that way. Then they moved back to the north for a little while. And then they left. They lived in Greece, Yugoslavia, and then they came to America. Yugoslavia? Yeah, I believe they went to Yugoslavia first. Athens and then... America. So my brother is a Greek citizen. Oh, really? Yes. I did not know that. So he was born in In Athens. Mm -hmm. In Athens. Very cool. But Yugoslavia, I haven't heard of too many Assyrians going there. Yeah. So my dad actually used to work for the government Mm -hmm. in Iraq. And I don't even know if I should share this, but he noticed some shady stuff happening. So he decided to basically tell my my mom and him to pack up and leave in the middle of the night but like they were going on vacation Mm. so they left everything behind she was only allowed to bring a few things with her and then they took a train to Yugoslavia and so that's how they left that's an amazing story yeah so So they had to pretend like they're going on vacation yeah so he put his time for vacation at work and they just packed a small bag and then they left everything photo albums anything important was in their little apartment in Baghdad and then they came they they fled and they never saw it again my dad's been back a few times Mm -hmm. Uh, he's older so he he misses his home so he's been back a few times but very cool and then how did they end up in Turlock (laughs) my uncle actually and my aunt live here in California well first they started in Chicago so that's where everybody basically landed and my uncle was like oh i heard there's this place called california and it's nice and warm so he went first and then he called my dad and he's like you have to come to california this place called turlock mm-hmm. well modesto and sear so it was all in that region and so we kept moving back and forth because my dad can't leave california but he was go back to chicago as well so you never know i might come back as well good <laughs> hopefully so you all didn't want to stay in California, and then you went to Chicago. and So you left in, what, sixth grade? Yeah, I was 11 years old, and I think, no, it was seventh grade. We, mm-hmm. I was at uh, Turlock Junior High, and yeah, I think that was when I was 11 years old, we left. And then I finally came back when I was in college on my own, my first trip by myself. And I've been back a few times after, but not really to Turlock. Mm-hmm. You feel more like a Chicago person now than Yes, for sure. I yeah. think I'm more I have more of their personality. Yeah, for sure. So and then you went to middle school and high school and then you went to the University of Illinois and got a degree in architecture. That's correct. Okay, so this is so awesome. How did you first know you wanted to do architecture? So it's kinda random, but my dad like I said, was a electric engineer in in Iraq. And when we came to America, my dad used to have all these side jobs. 
And I remember him drawing on blueprints. Obviously, he wasn't getting paid legit on it, but he used to work on the side with some guys. And I just used to, like, watch him. And I remember he used to also... Oh, he also had a, like, a electronic store in Iraq. So he used to always fix stuff on the side when we were in Chicago. So he used to see him, like, opening up TVs and, like, putting them together or, like, phones or whatever. And one time there was a phone, like, one of those, like, old, like, wired phones. And he's noticed that I was always interested in what he was doing and so he's like you know what here's a wrench and all the tools like open that up and I was like okay so I'd open it up and he's like now you need to put it back together and and it had to work so I put it back together and then it would work so he would always give me tasks like this so I was always around him I think he was my idol so just kind of and he wasn't always around because he was worked multiple jobs so I just wanted to spend time with him not knowing that I then love doing art and you know working with my hands and it just being creative and problem solving and I think that's how I got into architecture just from my dad yeah I mean what a amazing influence and it's always a plus when your pops is your hero right he's definitely my hero he's my favorite person um we're very much alike very much alike yeah and when you would do all this taking apart and putting things back together did you study what you were looking at, like to see how it even fits together and works? Kind of. I think also I'm very visual. So if I see something once or twice, I kind of just remember the way it was put together. Not saying I have like an identical memory or anything like that, but it's just something just makes sense to me, like how mechanics come together or a logo comes together or something like I just could when someone's speaking to me in my mind it's already mm-hmm. yeah. it's already producing and so that's I, I don't know if that really led me to my career but it sure was a big impact well one thing I've noticed about you is when you travel for example and you post pictures on your Instagram mm-hmm. like I lived in San Francisco for two years and you were there for like a day or two and mm-hmm. I've looked at the photos you've posted and I'm like how did she get to that museum where did she know and these photos are amazing so I can see you know you're definitely a, a visual person and but there are so many different places you could go within architecture but you've focused on the design side yeah so after school um, it was during the first, that recession and having several different jobs, I stumbled to this one company. And while I was there, they noticed that I was just really good at design, not just architecture itself. So they kind of put me towards that direction. They're mostly restaurants in that company. So I got to design restaurants all over the world. And I didn't know I was good at it. <laughs> I really know. I didn't know. I just thought like I was, architecture was a big part of my life. So it was nice to merge the two. So with that, I kind of put myself through other tasks within that. So branding, logo, you know. And then I went to an interior design firm that did high-end hotels and boutiques. So then I, I felt like I really flourished there as well. They taught me how to think about the whole story, not just like a space. Mm-hmm. So I think they opened up my eyes to see there's more than what you just see. So if I owned a restaurant chain, mm-hmm. you would be the one I'd bring in to be like, pitch me a design for this whole thing. 
So depending on if it's already established or not, I have some clients that are well known today that it's either we're continuing the design or if I'm developing a new concept for their design. The clients I have today, or the, the main client I have is a little bit higher end and he is opening a new concept. He's like, okay, I need a modern Mexican restaurant here, come up with something. So I then was like, okay, you want a modern Mexican? He's like, oh, I think I want a tortilla machine and, you know, somebody making tortillas and, you know, candy sold and, you know, I want the bar to be a huge thing. I'm like, okay. So then I go to my little corner and I just put a story behind it. I do my research first just to understand the culture a little bit more. And then I develop a whole story of like start to finish because to have a successful design, you really need that story Mm -hmm. to back it up. So we kind of developed the whole story and I even did the logo for that one and we're in the process of designing the space. And so yeah, to the point where we are going to design what the servers are wearing to the chocolate or candy, what's the packaging and logos on those and just every aspect you could think of, we're going to design it even to the seat that you're sitting on. It's going to be custom. So just to make sure that it follows that authentic Mexican mm. story. So so someone comes to you and says, I'd like a modern Mexican layout of a restaurant. And they don't want just like, here's where the bathroom should go. Here's where the sinks could should Yeah, go. so I'll do that too. I'll make sure the space works. So if they give us a space or we're like building a brand new building, that's just two different stories. We, not that long ago, had a man come to us who used to develop condo buildings. And he's like, I want to own a hotel. And I was like, okay. He doesn't know anything about owning a hotel. So we came up with the design. We came up with the floor plan. And I even had to teach him how to manage a hotel because he didn't know to that aspect. But you are more than just the architect of these people. You have to guide them through this experience. And so that's basically what I do all day, every day. It's kind of intense, but it's... It's what you love. It's what I love. It's crazy. Yeah, it kind of absorbs my whole life for sure. Yeah, you know, really what I'm hearing is you bring so much joy into people's life as they visually have an experience. Yeah, exactly. I feel like we are crafting an experience for sure. Now, obviously, it's mostly joy. It's funny because most people don't understand that's part of our job is to make sure that every consumer or client or anyone that comes into the door is experiencing that space the way that we designed it to be Mm -hmm. experienced. They don't know why they have a sense of peace, but you know why they have a sense of peace. exactly. There's something special about that, and who knew I had that power to... Yeah. How much of it was your teachers and how they taught you, and then how much of it is you feel a bit of a gift or an insight there? I think I've always had that part of me. I've always had the sense of trying to please people and make sure that they're comfortable and welcome. 
especially living in a Syrian family. Mm -hmm. That's always like as soon as you walk in, you make sure tea's ready and there's food on the table and just comfort in every way. So I've always had that hospitality in me. And then with my dad's, we used to sketch together and all that stuff. So I think kind of like merge into this person that I am today. But I'm also a middle child, so I was... <laughs> yes, middle child syndrome. I yes. can relate. So can you share any popular buildings that if we're in Chicago or wherever we are, is it okay to share about any of those? Yeah. My earlier restaurants I've done are out of the country, so they're all over the world. So that you won't see. But when I was at the interior design firm, I did do the London House in Chicago. So that's on Michigan Avenue. So if anyone's there, yeah, see that. So if I go to the London House, which I've never been, it's a hotel. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's a hotel. hotel, Yes. You designed the hotel and the restaurant. So when I used to be in that firm, we did hotels. So. I did the whole building for that one. As part of a team, we designed that. And did you have to choose what the art will be on the walls? Yes, everything you see in there is chosen by one of us. Yes. Everything you see, so. Okay, so if I go to the London House in Chicago, by the way, all you Assyrians in Chicago, go drive by the London House and you'll know one of your own people hooked that all up. So you're the one that then goes back. Does the client even tell you anything like, you know, Eva, I want people, I want them to walk in and get a sense of like the 1700s or I want them to walk in and instantly feel happy or I want them to walk in and feel like they're in a casino. Do they give you anything? Depending where you work and who you're working with, some of them just trust you. Sometimes I don't even see the clients for months. There was a hotel, a boutique hotel I did in Kansas City. It was a fast process, so we had to come up with things really quickly. So we'd meet every week or every two weeks, depending on what was going on with their schedule. And we just kind of came up with this, the concept, and they were like, okay, we like it. And so we made it into a hotel. Like, they just... If you are good at your job, there's no pushback, if that makes sense. There's some clients that have been doing it for a long time that want a seat a certain way or they want the the host to be a certain place or like the bathroom to be laid out a certain way. But that is just so rare or it's so minuscule that that, that doesn't really mess with your process. Mm-hmm. But... It's crazy how much people trust you with millions of dollars just mm-hmm. to like build and design something and just kind of, it's kind of stressful too. You know, you're just like, I don't want to disappoint this person and I want this business to be successful. How many big projects a year do you do? That's really hard to say. Right now, I'm actually working on 15 projects at one time. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm lucky enough right now in my career where I have a team underneath me that kind of helped me run things. Mm -hmm. But some of the projects, it's me that comes up with the idea and I just give it to people because it's just the client's so important that we can't just have junior staff to come up with things so I kind of manage people right now Mm -hmm. but I kind of left the world of it's all up to me versus like I'd rather just manage a group of people but yeah 15 right now and that's usually it used to be like three at a time three to four at a time now well you earned your stripes to get there right (laughs) yeah 
for sure. Did you ever watch Mad Men? Yes. And yes. Uh, is that a little bit of like what you guys would do? Yeah. Yes. It's kind of. Where someone would come in and like hot dogs and you'd have to be the one to create a whole advertisement around what they're doing. Not advertisement, but like but the concept. Whole, yeah, yeah, the concept. That's kind of the way it works. It's kind of that you, you get a client, they come in, they want this, they need it in a couple weeks or whatever it might be. And you have to pitch them the idea and either it's a hit or miss and mm-hmm. you go back to the drawing boards if it's a miss or you continue on. And then some of them needed to be built in six months, some of them a year, you know. You never know what you get. The game is always changing. It's always changing. There's always a formula, obviously, like in the process, but you have to be on your toes for sure. Yeah, it doesn't get old, that's for sure. Earlier, I mentioned you do a lot of your travels and you snap photos. Has there been any architectural designs or buildings or constructs where you just had to pause because it just totally blew you away it happens all the time all the time just even before coming here we were kind of late yes (laughs) because we had to stop and just look at the views like sometimes you just stand there and just get lost in in what you see and the beauty and how we were looking at waves and the cliff and then people surfing and the birds and I just was kind of like in a trance of like how the waves were being like how they were moving and how the sun was hitting the water and it was glistening and it just it's funny I don't I don't know if everybody I'm assuming everyone like experiences the same way but I just had to stop and take it in and I think that's why we like to travel so much is that there's just so much to see and experience and you know, months from now, years from now, I'll remember that day and I'll be like, you know what? I remember when I was driving the coast and the sun was hitting the water that way and there was a, the way the, the ocean was moving and there was a certain type of blue and I want that blue in this mm-hmm. restaurant. Those moments, you never forget them. It carries through. So make sure that no matter how busy I am or how crazy it is that I going out and like enjoying these little moments because they really really make up for your life and it leaves a stamp that yeah. kind of prolongs yeah no I mean I feel for you such a tough tough job you know gotta go around look at some amazing buildings and you know like I make sure that it's not just work you know I do travel a lot for work but most of that time it's me Play. yeah I used to travel every like couple weeks for a weekend somewhere i don't post everything that we go and do and see i do remember there was a time where you were just consistently posting and you were in different places and i was like yep eva's living the life right now yeah no it will obviously during covid we didn't but we just started again but there's just times where i just don't post because i can't even express how beautiful something was and a photo won't enhance like Mm -hmm. that you know it'll just take away from it but I don't filter any of those photos it's literally what I saw that day or that moment so yeah is there an architect who has been an inspiration for you or a designer that's you know what I can't pick one because they all have their unique sense of style 
Zaha Hadid, that is like amazing. Who? Zaha Hadid, she's a Middle Eastern architect, uh-huh. very famous, she passed away a couple of years ago. And we went around the world to see her architecture. Like I went to, I went to Korea to go see one of her buildings. It just, I know it's crazy. Like you go across the world to see a building, but it's worth it. In my eyes, it's worth it. There's just so many, like there's Calatrava. I don't know if you've know. Oh sure, I talk about him with my friends all the time. (laughs) So he he has one of the stations at where Ground Zero is in New York. Mm -hmm. There's he has a museum in Milwaukee. It's like that kind of. I love it. You totally geek out on. I do, I do. So I just can't pick one that I love. But if I have to pick a classic, it's probably Nice. You've given us all a lot of good Googling (laughs) things to do. I read a book once called The Geometry of Love, and the book was about how buildings speak. Mm -hmm. And as we've been talking, that's what I'm hearing is you design places that will say something to the world and to the people who walk in there. Yeah, if if you don't feel something when you walk in or approach it or leave that space feeling and emotion then I didn't do my job mm-hmm. because I put a piece of me and all that stuff so like if you don't hopefully everyone feels something but there is a piece of me in every project that I've done and it's kind of crazy that I that's how I have my statement once I leave this world is that I have a little little bit of Eva like just spread around <laughs> I love it. Beautiful. So I think anytime someone gets lucky enough to find something that they can do for hours and hours, because when we were kids growing up and something got our attention that much, Mm -hmm. we just thought it was cool. Like my friends who loved cars, like I never got into cars too much. I had one car that I really liked, but I loved doing other things. Sounds like for you, the thing you love, the drawing, the taking things apart, you took drafting AutoCAD class and all these things and like you then now it's your discipline it's your field of study how cool is that it's super cool I never thought I would find love in my career (laughs) you know because everyone complains about work right it's just something that you have to do which I actually love doing what I do and it it took getting married to get me out of work if that makes sense (laughs) No, I I hear you, yeah, because you probably are like, I love traveling to the next place and seeing what to look at and dreaming of the next client might bring me a big job. I don't, I just love working all the time. That and it's like, if you, if you love what you're doing, it's not work anymore. You just constantly want to do it. So it's, again, it takes a lot for me to pull myself away from doing it so obviously I love my husband so it's like okay I enjoy what I'm doing right now but I also love being home and spending time with them because you have the love of your family and your friends but this is just a career it's a thing it's not a career it's a lifestyle yeah yeah that's that's what we've all been told to do so I want to talk about the logo but before (laughs) Just to veer off for a second, you mentioned, you know, when you leave this world, and then it made me wonder, church structures. And one thing I've wondered is, what is the experience people are supposed to have? What story does a church building tell? 
Like there was a while back where a lot of churches were buying malls mm-hmm. and then making those malls their new sanctuary, but people didn't feel like they were at church. But have you studied any of church architecture? I have not, but I have done like Byzantine art and all that stuff. So I have done more religious aspects in the art sector. I feel like we... It's kind of like form and function. Like, does it serve the function? Malls, even if you see them in like a storefront, when you see those, like for me, that if I was a, t- I wouldn't be attracted to go there because it doesn't have that that sense of warmth or home to it. So, to me, when you do something like that, it, you're already setting yourself to fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get I, and, it. You know, and every church is different. Like, it's usually... And we do visit a lot of churches in anywhere we go or any kind of religious sanctuary or anything like that. But I don't know how to answer that question, really. That's actually more of a me question. I'm interested to know because... It's very personal, I think, too, depending on which one you go to and where people... Yeah, I remember when someone explained to me why church buildings are designed with the high ceilings. They had a painting of clouds up there mm-hmm. at the top of the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that you have heaven right there and then you have earth there and that they're all in one place. Mm-hmm. And so when you want when people walk into a church it should give them the sense of heaven and earth. And that got me thinking like, oh, church architecture does anybody revise that does anybody think about new designs for church and different ways of communicating so you know i'm sitting here talking to an expert and i thought let me raise the question (laughs) i think it's a really difficult question and maybe i need to come back to this but i don't know how to express myself with this but if you go there's plenty of like modern churches now that you go to that still feel like a church and it doesn't have the paintings on the ceiling it doesn't mm-hmm. have as high of a ceiling you the know stained glass yeah it doesn't yeah. have those things even when we were in san francisco the last time the last visit we went to we randomly went into a church and it was beautiful It had high ceilings, but it was very plain inside, but then it had slivers of just glass. And when I was in there, something just came over me, right? And that felt like a church. Like I go into spaces, even though I've gone to mosques and stuff like that, just to experience spaces. And it just takes over. And there are certain buildings and and restaurants and anything that go in there just doesn't do anything for you. There's a science to all these types of buildings and to go into a random like a church going to a random storefront I feel like already you're setting yourself to fail or I don't know to me that's how it is but I don't know if it's because I also grew up in an Assyrian family and went to a certain church and it always has to look a certain way but yeah I love it so obviously like you've done so many amazing work around the world and in Chicago and restaurants and hotels and I feel like there's so much more there and then there's this one thing you did for the Assyrian community and there's actually been at least a couple things because if you remember you made my book cover I did (laughs) yes and I remember I had three different covers and then 
I asked you to review them and I asked if you asked me, you're like, did an Assyrian make these? And I said, no. And you're like, okay, let me come back to you with the design. I'm pretty sure the majority of the people who bought that book bought it for the cover (laughs) because that cover was amazing. And everything you just shared around, you listen to what the people want to communicate and then you create, that's what you did there. And so back in 2017, around the summer, I had first started throw the idea of a podcast and thinking about an Assyrian podcast and I needed a logo. So of course I reached out to you and do you want to share sort of what was that like for you when I reached out about that? What were you thinking about the whole project? Yeah. When you reached out to me, I was like, oh, hey. (laughs) You were super busy because I remember when I reached out, you're like, when do you need it? Time, all that kind of stuff. Yes. Well, I was actually planning my wedding when you reached out and I asked you what your demographic was. Like, what? why are you doing a podcast? Like, I needed to know because I needed to be in your mind. Like, I needed to understand the reason behind it. So when you told me and then I, I was like, okay, give me some time. I will work on it. So I just thought about it and then I kind of created this guy. <laughs> I remember you asked me, you're like, what do you want this to say or be? And I said, I said, I want something that looks ancient, but also modern and like hip and proud. Yes, that's correct. And then I took that and I was like, okay, we need to create this icon and what is it going to be? So it kind of took a play off of the little hipster Syrian situation and mixing it with our ancient, obviously, icons, historic icons. So I kind of like merged the two. Mm-hmm. And obviously he's... I know I'm, I'm kind of butchering this, but there was more thought to it. I wanted to make sure that it was eye-catching. No one else had it and that it said something. And when you look at it, you know exactly what it's saying. So that's how he got created. The beard. The beard. Did you yes. draw every one of those circles? I did. I said if I was going to give this guy a beard, because, you know, a lot of guys these days have these that's like That's a huge beard. Yes. And I had to make sure that he... Because if you look at all of our like relics and stuff, they have these like swivel beard moments and so I wanted to make sure that I captured it in this icon and he had to have it and I went there and I actually had to there were some that I didn't like and I had to redo them I was like okay let's make sure everyone is perfect we had several proofs yes and I think we were going back and forth on how we wrote the name and I told you that we could just change the the font and the name however we wanted and I made sure that the glasses always had the white behind it because I wanted to make sure we didn't butcher the Syrian flag when you printed them out yes and you know when we went to make shirts yeah we were having trouble with that because they wanted one that didn't have I have to redo those but I did that on purpose for you I just felt like it might not read well, this one was made for the logo for the website, but I wanted to make sure that the flag wasn't interrupted. 
mm-hmm. because besides the beard, if you're a student, you know that, right? But if someone else that wasn't knew or saw that flag, they would be like, what is that? And they looked it up. So I kind of did that on purpose. So if you did play with the background of the logo, that it was still white. Yeah, no, we didn't. We didn't make any modifications. I know, I know. I could tell. Yeah. But the t-shirts, we could go back and change them. Yeah. But I made sure, because remember at the time, we're like, I'm just going to create the logo for the podcast. And if we want to do t-shirts or any other memorabilia, we have to create another file for it. So we have to do that. <laughs> yeah. We we charged ahead because we needed shirts for like the previous convention, I think it was. We wanted to have shirts ready. So, and I know we went back and forth, but the beard is obviously amazing. And then he's got these cool headphones on. So... The dude's got this huge beard, and by the way, we call him the dude. Is that his name, the dude? Yeah, Adessa actually, I think, named him the dude, and it's D-O-O-D. So we don't really have a different name for him, but the headphones make him look like, you know, he's, he's in engaged in the world. He's listening, he's learning, He's or he's listening to cool music, like whatever it is, the headphones. How did you get that idea that he should be wearing headphones? Besides him being, you know, listening to your podcast. Right. Is that is that one was a no-brainer for you? Yeah. Like, you I, had to wear headphones? I, I was like, he has to wear headphones. Like, he is listening to... He is the podcast. Mm-hmm. He's listening to the podcast. It's just kind of... It's nice to kind of play with that a little bit. But it also kind of... It reminds me of, like, youth today. So I wanted to make sure that your podcast not only attracted... The older generation but I wanted them to attract the younger generation so he needed to be something that kind of everybody relates to so this is why he had that and the cool hair tell me about the hair actually <laughs> like was that just so it's kind of like not a comb over I don't even know what I don't know I don't do styles of hair but what is that like, that is, I just kind of like thought about... It's kind of wavy. Yes, it's kind of wavy. kind of has like a little like little like sway over the side. But I wanted him to be hip. I wanted him to be cool. I wanted him to be attractive, if that makes sense. But usually people are drawn to a little bit more of a stylish person. It's totally stylish and it's hip, but it's also something like an old dude could get away with too. Exactly. It's it's very you could relate to it. And that's kind of again, that was another thing where I kind of like modified a few times to make sure every stroke had purpose and anything that I put on it had a reason. And that it spoke to somebody or it spoke to, you know, whoever was looking at it. And when the Assyrian podcast then launched and you see your logo on everything, what was that like for you? It was interesting, but I think I'm kind of used to, well, obviously, I have was designs everywhere. Was it different week. because it's in the Assyrian community? It's different because I, as I was telling you earlier, I don't like the attention. And so when people told me, oh, have you heard of this, like, this podcast and you know I've seen the I didn't say it was me not that I was like embarrassed by it but I don't like the praise or anything like that so it's kind of like yeah you know it's cool and all that <laughs> and so it's kind of, I 
kind of like under the radar but then I started telling some people like my cousins or something they're like oh and I was like yeah actually when you I think you interviewed the Assyrian journal you yes and that's what people are like wait it was you or like yeah oh so I, we I mentioned did, it on there yeah I didn't tell people mm. until they read that and so that's when my my actual family or not my parents or anything like that but people outside of my immediate family found out that I did this and now they're really gonna know yeah <laughs> the thing is is you know we've always wanted to highlight people who have made an impact in the community or people who have just accomplished really amazing things um, because those are stories that you know, we don't hear as much. I think there's some Assyrians have done like really awesome stuff and maybe few people in their community know. So to me, you're, you're the perfect person to have on the podcast. Even if you hadn't created the logo, I think the reason why I've always reached out to you too is because of the way you carry yourself, who you are. I know if I reach out to you for something, you're not going to give me like uh, cookie cutter response mm-hmm. that it's going to be some depth to it and expertise and that's what you see with the logo and people have like totally stolen the logo and slapped it on all kinds of other stuff but you're the originator of that logo you know you're too kind you're so nice <laughs> i have noticed a few that are similar to this one like great like it inspired someone else to do something so thank you for yeah whoever did it like taking you as inspiration out there even when we started the Assyrian podcast we talked about you know it's just a matter of time till other podcasts come out or other things and they're gonna might do better than what we're doing or do something similar and it was always a good good thing because we want people to help us improve and We also want people to do good things. And so if they're creating stuff that's similar, although if your artwork and this logo, I think people should reach out to you and say, hey, you know, we'd like to use this or we'd love a variation of it or whatever. I'm thankful for that. And of course, I think the logo itself says exactly what the original intention was. Mm Which is why whenever we open up our online store, we do get so many people like wanting to buy and shirts and sweaters and mugs and tumblers, pop sockets. But we just we don't keep up with the demand as much because this whole thing has been a fun project to inspire our community. But I'm very thankful that you put the heart and energy and effort into it. Oh, thank you. That's really sweet. I'm, I'm happy to do it. The other piece, since just because I've got you on this show now, and the dude's nose is sort of like an average looking nose, which is good. Did you have any thought on the nose or was it more? I didn't want people to focus on that. So I feel like sometimes when you do a character of some sort of logo, there's certain things that you want to focus on. So I didn't want to focus on that. Um, I know that's usually something that... Assyrian people are you know that's a characteristic that people have I just didn't want that to be part of it so I wanted to focus on this region because of the history of Emma's beard and then you know his his hair and his glasses and his his headphones to be today modern so it's just kind of kind of the balance of south of his nose is history and north of his nose was 
kind of like today's. Oh, yeah. wow. I never thought of that. Yeah, so, so it's kind of like a merge of, yeah. Yes. Transition a little bit. Wow. This is so cool. Looking at artwork with Eva Toma. You should have your own YouTube channel. We need to get... Yeah, That'd be you, horrible. The worst at this. Just <laughs> explaining art. I'm sure you would be really... Or interpreting or... Interpretation of... Yeah. Everyone has a different interpretation to it. Yeah. It'd be interesting to hear what people like post their interpretation of this. That's true. We'll put that as a question. Yeah. I mean, I think this is going to be one of those episodes where, especially our longtime fans, they're going to be like, we want to know who created this thing. Because... Yeah, it's all been behind the scenes. And so, and I love, that's what I love about this whole thing. We don't do video, we do audio. And it's anybody can be a host that sort of exhibits those conversational skills and can bring to life these awesome things that people have done. All right, well, I am going to hold on to that nugget for a long time. The, the south side of the face is sort of our ancient history the north side is where we're going that's super encouraging wait one thing i just remembered what about the dudette we never did a we never did a dudette because i didn't want to do you told i remember you said no like you you played around with the idea and then you were like no we don't do another logo yeah because i wanted to make sure that this was the Syrian podcast like he was the Syrian podcast and if you kept changing it not saying anything about like you know not that the boy is better than the girl or any means of that I just need it's beyond the sex mm-hmm. it was a, just this idea of this person this person and I think you were throwing the idea that if a girl was getting interviewed, you would change it to the girl and the guy. That was the line. And I was like, no, this is going to stay. Like, does McDonald's change their M? No, they don't. It's always the M. So he's going to be it. Well, here's the thing. When I think about this whole thing, and I think about people like you who did what you did, and you, you could have charged me a fortune. You could have charged... You charged me a good amount, which was good. Cause, uh, you know, I was struggling with that. I didn't want to. But yeah. I was like... I I think you said you wanted to, right? And I was like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, no, but... I looked you up. I, and I've known you forever. But yes. I looked you up on LinkedIn. So I could tell. I was like, Eva is not someone who just gives away her time i don't care if it's for assyrian people or who it's for i'm sure you have your own way of giving back mm-hmm. but this is your professional work yes. and so so remember we talked about i said i don't know how far this is going to go how about we do this much and then later we can do more and then later i came back and i was like here you go and you were actually you were thankful you said you know thanks for remembering and, and coming back but yeah the, i was struggling through that because obviously i don't need the money but in our career like being in the arts it's hard to be taken serious and unfortunately money is the way that people show how they seriously take you and so it's hard and obviously I'll do anything for you oh, but um, yeah you you gave us a wonderful <laughs> deal but knowing what you do and what you could charge and what you probably charge everyone I was so thankful you're welcome again I do that in time it, yeah. and it's always not it's never about the money for me I wanted to make sure that what I created was successful and because I had a time crunch and didn't have much time I wanted to make sure that it was like worth 
My what you're putting is, together. If you hadn't have created the logo and made it the way you did, I don't think the podcast would have taken off the way it did. And I say that because, yes, we had really good content, especially to launch. It was an intention of like, we had to have some household names so that we could hit broad audience. But I wanted to do something that was professional. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just someone who likes to do design on the side or for fun. So you just killed it. So I can't thank you enough for everything you've done. I think the Assyrian podcast followers and fans and listeners and family owe you a lot for creating such a beautiful thing for us. Well, you're welcome. I think your success is because of your content. I think the logo just kind of gave it a personality so or a face, if you want to say. But you're welcome. And maybe that's a good question to ask the audience. Is it the logo or the content? I'm yes. pretty sure it's the content. That'll be, the, that'll be one of our stories this week. Is there anything you think we ought to cover? Anything else you'd like to cover? I got to say, throughout my career, I because we're talking about the logo, is that I've dabbled in you know branding and logo for my other companies I used to work for. And I've been kind of pushing that towards this current company. So it's kind of started... It's like the passion like that that I had, that it, it's beyond just this, just the space. So now we're kind of opening, you know, this department where we're branding clients and, you know, PR for our own company and managing that. And so this kind of helped step up my game on that part of my career. So I got to say thank you to you as well. So Cool. It's always nice when it, it's like mutually beneficial. So one of the things we like to ask people on the Assyrian podcast is if you could say anything to all the Assyrians that are listening, what would you say to them? I would say strive for the best. Don't forget about your passions and just work hard and you'll get there. Love it. All right, Eva, this was everything I was hoping it would be. So thank you for giving us a sliver into your background, your education, and then telling us all of the things that went into creating the dude. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Before we go, I want to remind you to rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to it. It really helps us to hear what you're experiencing and what you're thinking about the work that we're doing. And as we look to a new year of the Assyrian podcast in 2022, we're also thinking about some different structures and some different topics and some different ways of doing the podcast. So if you have an idea or something that you're passionate about, please reach out to us either through one of our social media platforms, Instagram or Facebook, or email us at info at AssyrianPodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we're so thankful that you're a part of this Assyrian Podcast family. See you next time.